Thank you. Well, straight into it with the Omnibus Bill, it's, um, it seems to be dominating a lot of our lives at the moment. Uh, I think a lot of people are becoming more and more involved in, or at least in, interested in politics, given that uh, we've seen the effect that it's having on us and, and will have on us each and every day. Um, in regards to the Omnibus Bill, uh, we've seen to pass it was about 2am last night or this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you, in general, what are your general thoughts on uh, the passing of the Omnibus Bill? I've been predicting that the omnibus, the ominous omnibus was going to pass for a number of at least a week now. Uh, when the uh, Labor government introduced uh, the Jacqueline Siamese draft amendments, basically they'd watered down the omnibus bill significantly. They removed about 85% of the problems in it. So now we're left with a much neutered bill and uh, I predicted it, will, predicted it will pass and it did pass uh, early, yeah, I think this morning. There were some other amendments, which I'm sure we'll talk about, that the Liberals tried to get up, which failed as well. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of fear amongst Victorians who believe that the bill will give, give powers to the government to actually remove children from their families and parents for a period of up to 30 months. Um, is, do you know if this is true? And, and how do you think that, that particular part came around? It's not true. So children can already be removed by a court order. This already exists, and, and in, in hopefully most cases, it's done well. It's from delinquent parents and so on. The, the um, Omnibus Bill doesn't change any of that, except it extends deadlines on a whole bunch of different acts, and one of them is family re- reunification orders. So in this case, we're mostly worried about the powers that are given to the executive branch of government. So that's the police, the designated authorised officers, the, the CHO, the medical bureaucrats, the WorkSafe inspectors and council and so on. The, the, the children being removed is not not being moved into that executive branch of government. It says still in these omnibus bill changes to the to the legislation that it will be a decision for the courts. You have to remember that the courts in this country have generally done a good job. In Victoria, we've had some bad judicial work in the last couple of years, and the High Court has thrown it out, like the George Pell case was, was whatever you think of that case, the actual judicial proceedings were a schmozzle, but the High Court fixed it. So overall, the, the, the courts are going to oversee the removal of children, and, and if you don't agree with that, there's always another higher appellate court to go to. So please stop worrying about that. The reason why that fear is gone everywhere is because how do you hit someone with the most fear possible, you threaten to take away their kids. And if you look at the desperation of Victoria right now, living under what Sanjeev Sublock has described as crimes against humanity, I understand why people are reaching in desperation to hyperbole to get to, to stop this craziness. But I think that's why it's here. People are desperate. So it, but it's not true. Sure. So where I guess one of the potentials was the what's called as an authorised officer, as it's been referred to. They can't just randomly come to your house and take away your kids. Well, an authorised officer can you can be detained under this legislation uh, for health reasons. You know the whole COVID thing. Whether or not they can take children specifically, I first of all legally that's a whole other realm. You know whether you can treat a child as an adult and so on. But secondly, that's not going to happen. Can you imagine if they start sure. taking children away? The outcry mm. is going to be so huge. There'll be riots yeah. in the streets. Yeah. Yeah. So I know the the bills changed a bit from when it was um, first introduced. So I know there's been amendments um, introduced by both Labor and the Liberals. Um, can you elaborate on what those amendments are? So the original bill that we've all been jumping up and down was so terrible. They're talking about minority report style arresting you before the crime took place. All of that's gone. So there was this big uh, push from heaps of different groups and all this public pressure said you can't arrest people preemptively and you can't 
a whole bunch of bad things in there like high risk persons and so on. That has been removed because the Labor government bowed to the public pressure. So the Labor government introduced what's called the, the Siamese draft, which is just the leader of the government in the in the upper house. And she put, it's only two pages, it's quite short. And she uh, did a few things. She removed all that dodginess that I was talking about, the pre-crime stuff. And she added, I say she, but you know, it's the Labor Party. And they added in a bunch of specificities. So they are saying things like, designated authorized officers now uh, can basically come from a group of people, not just anyone. They've removed that open clause, which was the secretary of the DHHS could appoint anyone mm. for any reason otherwise. Now, the DHHS secretary can still technically appoint anyone, but they must have the appropriate experience. Now, sure, they could fudge that, but we can take them to court for that if they don't follow that line. Other than that, you have to be a police officer, a PSO, a WorkSafe inspector, a public sector employee of a state other than Victoria or Victoria or a health service provider. The amendments then go on to specify which emergency powers those one, two, three, four, five classes of people can exercise. So to give you an example, uh, the um, police officers can only exercise, I think it's three of these section 190 public health risk powers, whereas a WorkSafe inspector can exercise almost all of them. So each right. of those classes has different powers under this amendment. So that is the amendment that Labor introduced to the omnibus bill. And that's what got everyone to vote for it. And that's why it passed today. Sure. Okay. Well, it sounds like they've taken the most scary part has been taken out at least it seems. So they have, but remember uh, wars are lost by gradually Mm. not losing you know so yeah they, they were taking 100 miles and, and they only took five miles but we still lost five miles so one of sure. the things i was really encouraged about to answer the second part of your question the liberals put forward another amendment to this bill today and they said we want to add in two new clauses one that any uh restriction of of distance from a, a particular place that people can travel to. So the five kilometer rule uh, yeah. will hereby be illegal. So anything that has been made to that effect is void. So they were trying to delete the five kilometer rule. And the second clause was that any future uh, directions given to that effect will be null and void. So that's what the liberal party tried to get up today. So did, uh, that get, did that get up or did that not, uh, not get that failed? That failed as well. So this is mm. interesting, right? The people who've, the important vote was the omnibus bill vote. And for example, Fiona Patton, Andy Medic from the Animal Justice Party and Samantha Ratnam from the Greens, they all these are the crossbenchers who swing the, the balance of power in the upper house for Dan Andrews. They all voted for the omnibus bill. So that's the important part. They pushed sure. it through. People like Catherine Cumming, who I'm interviewing after this show, she voted against the omnibus bill. Now, this is where it gets tricky. When you come to the liberal... Uh, amendments where they try to remove the five kilometer thing. Fiona Patton, Andy Medic, and Samantha Rattenham all voted for the Liberals, which is which is crazy, right? And Catherine Cumming voted against the Liberals as if she wanted to keep the five kilometer rule, which is nonsense. She's been in this studio about four days ago, far beyond five kilometers. She doesn't believe in it. So I'll yeah. be interviewing her tonight to find out why. But basically, it's this: Fiona Patton, Samantha Rattenham, and Andy Medic knew they all knew that the five kilometer thing was not going to pass so they used it as an opportunity to grandstand and you'll see all over their social media now we're trying to get you out of lockdown five kilometer rule must go well then why did they vote for the omnibus bill yeah. to extend these powers it's a good question it's uh, certainly a lot of 
murky, confusing scenarios around it all. It's um, pretty inc incredibly difficult to try and track down. So, um, Politicians. Yeah, yeah. In in terms of the timing of the bill, so does it actually expire um, in April 2021? Um, and if it does, is it the entire bill that expires or is it parts? So this bill is just a, an amendment bill. So all it's doing is it's coming in to amend like 30 or 40, whatever it is, different pieces of legislation that already exist, different laws. So this, this bill just comes in tweaks a few of the other laws and then disappears that's that's what it does so when you read expiry dates in this bill you've got to read it in that context and what you refer to which was april 2021 uh is referring to the extension of these these extra powers that we're talking about the um designated authorized officers their ability to do these things expires under this right. the, it's actually in the public health and well-being act that this omnibus bill is altering that expires in april 21 which is around the same time that the uh, state of emergency uh, runs out as well sure okay so the um does, does the bill actually give authorized power uh, give authorized officers powers to enter and search workplaces including home offices without a warrant which i think is kind of one of the key concerns for a lot of people it sure does so let me clarify. Uh, basically, yes, but you got to think of it this way. At the moment, police can enter based on the state of disaster, which enables them to mm. um, use some Section 190 health powers and, and enter without a warrant. Now, this omnibus bill is taking police officers who are currently not designated authorised officers. They simply enforce directions of authorised officers, like the CHO, the Chief Health Officer. This, is this bill has now made them, made police officers and PSOs and WorkSafe inspectors and the other two I mentioned, health service providers and public servants, uh, made them designated authorised officers. So now they can exercise these powers such as entering warrantlessly, subject to how I said each class has a specific type of power that they can implement. So sure. as I said, the WorkSafe inspectors who have the greatest gamut of powers under the Public Health and Wellbeing Act, now that they are designated authorised officers, they, they weren't yesterday, they are now they can 100% enter into workplaces, as we already know. Now they can they can exercise these Section 190 powers to enter. I'm just, just grabbing it. Here it is. They can uh, enter without warrant, enter any premises and search for and seize anything that is necessary for the purpose of investigating, eliminating or reducing the risk to public health. So the big debate now is whether WorkSafe can do that because we're in a work, because your home is a workplace or they can enter your home. So think about this. I'm sitting in a very, very professional TV studio here, similar to a Sky News setup. It's it's full on, but it's in my house, you know? Mm. So this is this is technically a workplace and I've got MPs and so on coming over here. So no doubt a WorkSafe inspector could enter in, into here. Uh, can they do that in your home if you're working from home? That That's a debate. Uh, the thing is though, that the WorkSafe inspectors now are designated authorized officers exercising powers under section 190 of the public health and Wellbeing act so that to me says that they could simply be operating as a dao told to go and investigate a risk to public health covid party or something and and yeah they could come in yeah. into your home i don't see why not well it's interesting given that there's a lot more people working from home at the moment so um it's an interesting one um, there's also been um, discussions that the, the, the omnibus bill it also helps shield the government from liability or liability or potential liability. Um, do you know what's the story with that part of it? Tell us any more on that. Yeah, so I've been trying to chase this down. It's like a rabbit in a in a hole. I don't know if that's the right <laughs> analogy. It's really hard to track down. Uh, I've, I've looked. 
David Limbrick, who I've been talking to, Edward O'Donoghue, the Shadow AG, uh, uh, is a QC, oh, I can't remember her name, uh, who uh, Fiona Patton talked to. I can't see it. They can't see it. No, I haven't found anyone who can see mm-hmm. how the government is shielding itself uh, from either manslaughter uh, prosecutions or anything else. We, we don't see it. So is it a typical lawyer response will be, it's, we don't, our opinion is it's not there. I mean, we may be proven wrong, but that group I just mentioned, we don't see what people are scared of. Sure. Um, well, that's a good thing. There's certainly with the increased um, increased laws around workplace um, safety side of things at the moment, that's, that's been pretty pretty detailed and pretty full on for employers. That's a, a, yet another hurdle and another challenge. Uh, well, keep in owners. mind. Well, keep in mind, Ken Phillips, who who's the chairman of Self-Employed Australia, he's being assisted by a QC to go after. I did an interview for him on my on my page. He's he's going after them for for this for manslaughter oh, wow. under the OHS Act. So there is actual stuff happening right yeah. now on that front. Uh, one of the things in the in the original form of the bill, it um, didn't really have any any safety measures in place for appealing a decision. Um, so the decision for detain, uh, detainment, particularly for high risk individuals. Um, so it seems like the person who's who's pursuing it and doing the detainment is also responsible for reviewing their own decision, which seems a little bit odd. Um, has anything um, changed on that front? Because it seems a little bit like the you know the the, the fox guard in the hen house in a way. Yeah, that, that's exactly right with the fox guarding the hen house because that's exactly what we've had previously and the omnibus bill doesn't really change that doesn't change that so we have the real problem with emergency powers around the world right from right from uh you know 1940s in germany right through to today emergency powers are always intended to be very fast and very uh, flexible and and open to discretion so judicial reviews never really been a part of them and certainly here with these these emergency powers uh there's not The, the detainment they have to give you notice every 24 hours during your detainment and they have to report back to the minister why you're being detained and justify it. However, that's an internal process from poly to poly, bureaucrat to bureaucrat. There is no judicial review. So a lot of, you know, what Sanjeev Sablok, he's the, the economist who resigned from Treasury in protest, a lot of what he's complaining about is that lockdowns and these laws are crimes against humanity. Now, that can sound quite inflammatory and, and hyperbolic, but it makes sense when you think about the fact that your natural rights are being uh, curtailed to do these things. The only right we think exists is a writ of habeas corpus, which is a, a very technical uh, legal phenomenon, which I don't know if they'll, it's very old. It's like the Magna Carta, very old, uh, which means you can be dragged before a court to, to prove. I don't think we'll even have habeas corpus. Uh, overall, it looks like it's, it's um, undefined and there's no real appeal. Sure. Yeah, well, that's, that's a bit of a bit of a concern. Usually, there's fairly strict due process um, going through the courts uh, to make sure things are abided by, and there's checks and balances in place. In the courts, uh, yes, but this is not in mm, the courts. That's the problem. No. Yeah, that's a that's a concern. So, my concerns. What what are your biggest concerns with the, with the final version of the bill that got passed? Uh, I think. With you know, that, so all this time when 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 the government extends powers, it says, "Don't worry, we're not going to use it a second <laughs> longer than we need to." Now, yeah. I I well, right? I believe them. A lot of us believe them. Some of us still do believe them. I've lost faith in in those sort of statements. Mm. So the thing is, 
are they going to use these powers now as a WorkSafe inspector to come down and detain me in right now as you're interviewing me? Are they? I don't know. Let's hope not. Mm. Are police officers now going to start writing their own health directions, which they can as DAOs now, whereas before they were just enforcing directions. Now they're going to write the direction and enforce their own direction. That's nuts. Anyway, are they going to do that or are they going to be decent? So my fear is we're going to be relying on the good nature of our fellow uh, government people at, at this time. And, and I'm not so sure that's a good way to go. As we've seen throughout history, uh, nobody is, is uh, incorruptible and, 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 we should always have checks and balances. If I was your prime minister, which thank God I'll never be, you should definitely be checking, 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 scrutinizing because everyone is going to fall apart when you get to that level of power. I don't care who you are. So yeah. that's my concern is that we're removing all of that. And beyond that, you know what? The biggest concern is the culture. What is this mm. doing to the culture of our people, the heart of Melbourne, the fear, people message me. I'm not a psychologist. I've got a tiny little following on Facebook and I get at least one message a day from a parent saying, I'm scared they're going to take away my kids. So what, what are they doing to us as the state and how much mental health harm are we going to need uh, assistance and, and counselling with when we come out of this on the other side? Sure. Yeah, it's... Um, it's <laughs> All the concerns, I think, is there's so many different elements of it. Um, one of the lines that always frustrates me is when somebody says, well, well, if you're doing nothing wrong, then you've got nothing to worry about. It's like, that's, that's not the point. Um, if, you know, if there's a mechanism that, that can be abused, then more often than not, it is abused. So, well, Do you know why they say that? It's because we have lived in the most free, stable, respectful uh, rule of law in this country and in Europe and so on for the last couple of hundred years. That's why they say that. Yeah. Because it's been true for a couple of hundred years, mostly. Yeah. But that's yeah. not history. This is a fragile yeah. and temporary time. Yeah. Um, that's my last thing is uh, what reassurances um, can you offer Victorians who are feeling pretty defeated and concerned right now, given the process that we've gone through to get to this point and, and the public outcry? Andrew, have you heard of the doomsday clock where, where scientists, uh, yeah, so they, they yeah. say, you know, midnight is when we blow ourselves up and the planet's gone and we're at 11 p.m. or whatever. All right. So I've had a, I've had a recovery clock for Melbourne for a, a couple of months now. And when it was really, really dark and people were saying this is, you know, going to become germs, Nazi Germany, I was, I was saying, look, no, 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 we're at, this is just the dark, the darkest part of the night. This is the mm. 4 a.m. just before the dawn comes. Sure enough, we started to see cracks appear back around when Jenny McCarkos resigned, the uh, yeah. health minister, yeah. resigned. Uh, <laughs> and I said, look, it's, the sun is peaking over the horizon, 6.30. And we started to see more things, more things. The QCs came out and slammed the, the omnibus bill. Doctors are coming out everywhere. The Great Barrington Declaration declarations come out gbdeclaration.org which is leading epidemiologists and professors of infectious diseases from harvard stanford and oxford universities saying don't don't lock down the world health organization has just come out last week or this week and said do not use lockdowns as, a, as your primary method to stop this virus so now i've been saying hey it's like 8 a.m 9 a.m uh, Eccles, uh the secretary to the department of Prem premier and cabinet in victoria resigned so we're starting to see progress and when the sun comes out and we hit that midday point it will disinfect all of the darkness the lies the despair so that's what i would say to bring hope to victorians is that we are seeing rumbles we are seeing movement we are seeing the sun peak over the horizon so it's coming it's coming it's coming yeah. don't worry yeah it's been such a long a long journey i guess it's all relative but for the whole lockdown and, and this current scenario it's, it's been it's been a long journey to get to this point i think 
I think everyone, myself included in this, has got, you know, we've kind of got lockdown fatigue, if that's, if that's actually a thing. Um, we can't like, we just Definitely. just crying for the dawn for the dawn for the midday to, to come through. We want to want the birds singing, you know. We want to just get outside into the sun again properly. Um, so well, um, look, you've got you're the beaches. You say sun. You remember the beaches yeah. on the weekend? Yeah, yeah, it's already happening. Yeah. What about today? Only two hours ago, I posted on my page a video of people at Harry's Clothing Store in Berwick in Melbourne shopping, no masks, uh, openly shopping. He was fined $10,000 for opening his store and he opened yeah. it again. Yeah. Melbourne is coming back whether they like it or not. Yeah. Well, it would be interesting. I guess I can't, uh, can't find every single business in, uh, in Melbourne. Otherwise, they'll, and especially if it's challenged in court, they'd never get, out, never get through the court cases. So, um, it's an a question from uh, one of the one of the viewers is how long can they detain you for? As I said earlier, it's indeterminate. So they do. Mm. There is provision that they have to provide a twenty four hours update to both every twenty four hours, both to you and to the minister. But there's there's no. So what? They'll just keep keep going. Yeah. Um, another viewer question is: um, if you're found not to be wearing a mask, can can you be detained for not wearing a mask? Not no, not for not wearing a mask, but for other reasons, like if you don't give your identity. Sure. Is that, that, isn't, would that be a fairly standard police approach, though, anyway, if you're, if you're not yep. providing identity prior to this whole scenario? Correct, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Um, I guess finally, if you've got any particular... Oh, no, there's one other question. Um, fines? Uh, do, you, do you have any information about fines? Yeah. I do. And, uh, I are do. they being thrown out of court or, or do, you know, because if people are challenging it, do they get up, the fines get upheld or what do they this get? This is dismissed? the most... Yeah, this is the most delicious news that everyone should be excited to hear. The Parliamentary Accounts and Estimates Committee, which is the only uh, recourse that we've had for, for the government, the only sort of, because they've cancelled Parliament for a, a lot. You know, mm. they, they don't have sittings quite a lot. They only have sittings when they want to get new stupid laws through. Uh, so we had the PAEC. And in the PAEC, hats off to David Limbrick, who's a Libertarian MP for the Liberal Democratic Party, which is not the Liberals. It's a, Anyway, he grilled the attorney general what's her name jill hennessy i think it is and wanted to know what's going on with these fines and we got out of the attorney general that in fact no zero zero fines have made it to court now you would ordinarily think okay is that because like why why is that he pressed her further and found that all of the fines were either withdrawn in the review stage so that's withdrawn by either vic pole or fines victoria so that they just don't prosecute you or yep. they were paid. So we were wondering what the percentage of paid versus withdrawn was. So every sing- not a single fine has made it to court. They're all being either withdrawn or paid. It now sure. comes out in the last couple of days. I saw it on, I think it was The Age, somewhere reported that the number of paid fines is so small. It's minuscule. It's, I can't remember the number, but it was tiny, like 5 2%, five, whatever. Hardly anyone's paying the fines. So that oh. means that the government, for some reason... Okay, I don't know why, but they don't want the fines to get to court. It could be because the courts are mm. busy. It could be, or it could be that they don't want the fines tested in court to see if they're yeah. legal or not. So my advice is, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving you legal advice, but as a human, we have the right in this country to take fines to a court and have them decide our guilt. So I think I would be exercising my rights to let a court find me. Look, if it's a $200 fine for not wearing a mask or $800 in court, of course I'll take the gamble and go to court because we mm. want to see what the court has to say. And if, you go, if you're the first person to go to court for one of these fines, you put a GoFundMe page out there on Facebook, we're all going to contribute to pay for your legal defense because yeah. everyone wants 
a single fine to get to court so the judicial system can actually have a say. And we suspect they're all going to be thrown out. And that's not just my opinion. Uh, that is the Dean of Law at, uh, I think it's either Swinburne University or Deakin University. His name is like Marco, M-A-R-K-O, something like that. He's the Dean of Law. He thinks that we've created our first political prisoners in the history of Australia with these COVID laws wow. and that every single fine is going to be thrown out and, and declared void by the High Court. Huh. So there you go. That's, that's, that's pretty astronomical. Yep. Um, yeah, so on, one thing that you mentioned, that's one thing that I've wondered in the past as well, is, is that if, if you pay the mask fine, so it's the $200 fine, but if you challenge it in court, then it's higher. Um, isn't, is, is that a standard process? Because it seems like it's a penalty for trying to challenge um, the decision that's been made. Think of it the other way. Think of it as in this country, no police officer can find you guilty. They can only allege that you weren't wearing a mask. They have to prove it or that you're yeah. speeding or whatever. When you go to court, the court can find you guilty or not guilty. And in my experience, seeing other people stand up for their fines and standing up for my own stupid traffic fines, the courts are generally quite good and they throw out the dumb traffic signs like park, you know, a reverse parked near a restaurant. And apparently I'll have to put nose to curb instead of rear to curb or whatever it was. <laughs> And I made an honest mistake. So I went to plead guilty. The judge wouldn't even let me open my mouth. They just said, oh, look, go. So, so this is what happens in the judicial system. Now, so that's how it works, right? So let's say it's $800 fine for not wearing a mask by the court, right? Now the police give you an option to bypass that whole thing and pay $200 as, as a, just get it over and done with. Just give me your $200 yeah. and we'll call it a day. We won't yeah. go to court. Right now, that's not exactly right with the mask situation. It's a bit different, but sure. overall, that is what happened. You got to think of courts fine you. The police they they pretend that you're guilty. You're not. You are, they cannot yeah. declare you guilty. They pretend you when you pay the fine. You're not actually admitting guilt. You're, you're just paying a fine for it to all go away, and yeah. they get their money, and you don't have to go to court. Everyone's happy. It's like one of the like like an out of court settlement for pretty much any court case where they come Brilliant. to an agreement beforehand. I guess I guess in one way, if if you think you're not going to succeed or it's just not worth the effort, then you just pay it and be done with it. That's it. Um, it's interesting how that can potentially be almost an admission of guilt at the same time in in some ways, but hmm. it's a bit of a fuzzy one. Um, I guess there's, there's always the the looming potential of a uh, of a COVID vaccine. Um, yep. There's obviously many many being researched. Uh, at the moment, some having some difficulties within uh, the, the the testing of the trials. Um, you know, if if there is a, a vaccine that's available, um, obviously there's there's quite a strong push from government, both state and federal, uh, yep. for everybody to get it. Um, would and if you decided to not take it, would that end up being a valid reason to not be detained? Okay, tricky question. So to be detained. Under, yeah, tricky question. Under what law? And where? So in Victor in uh, Western Australia, under their Public Health Act, which is their version of our Public Health and Wellbeing Act, they can literally, I've read it, uh, this is not from the news, I've read the legislation, they can literally hold you down to a gurney, strap you down with leather straps and inject into you a vaccination for, to prevent public health risk. So I'm sorry if you're in Western Australia, that's terrible. Uh, I haven't read up about your human rights type stuff, whether that will kind of... Um, sort of bring that back a bit in WA, but just that law alone is shocking. In, yeah. in, Vic, in Vic here, and I'm someone who's fully vaccinated, and I think that's that's terrible. Um, in, in Victoria here, we don't have that. So they can't, there's no specific, you must take a vaccination because I, I don't want to take the COVID-19 vaccine. The data and all the science, the leading health experts decide, besides what Dan says in his purple backdrop sermons when he says he's following leading health experts, he's not. I've just named mm. half of them about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, they are... 
these leading people are saying, hey, this is not as deadly as we thought, this COVID-19 thing. So um, I'm not going to be taking a vaccine. But in Victoria, you've got to think about compulsion versus um, mandatory. So will it be yeah. no jab, no play or no jab, no pay? Or will it be, uh, I'm worried about corporate spending over to the government, so Woolworths and so on, them mm. forcing their staff to um, get vaccinated. Because yeah. then what do you do? You're going to lose your job. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Honestly, Scott Morrison came out saying that it would be mandatory and very, very, very quickly backtracked to say, uh, no, 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 it won't be mandatory. Um, but it did say uh, that they'll make it as, uh, what was it? What was the terminology? Um, as uh, mandatory as you could make it. As mandatory as possible. Or so, yeah, something like yeah. that. I think um, the Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, was still trying to push for a lot of things. And I guess the question is, it's exactly what you're saying with the no jab, no pay, no jab, no play legislations where there's these punitive measures um, coercive measures in place, um, mm. that there's a certain point where it's not about encouraging people to take something. It becomes a, a punitive measure. And, and you know, if, if you go to the nth degree, then you basically limit people's ability to function within a society um, unless you take a pharmaceutical drug. So, uh, Yes, but there is hope. So you've got to think about people like Sanjeev Sublock, right, who he is raising this idea of crimes against humanity and there's talks of motions in, in the International Criminal Court. Uh, there's talks of uh, royal commissions here in Australia. This is, this is gaining support from a number of experts around the place uh, and I'm working with them behind the scenes. I'm telling you, this is really taking off. This human rights angle, ethical angle, uh, I don't think they will be able to go full Blade Runner 1984 on us <laughs> and tie us all down, inject us all, because there's just too much momentum and there's too much. We're not the US where we'll stand up for our liberties like the US will, yeah. but we're not we're not Korea or Japan where where they'll yeah. or China where we'll just roll over as well. So I have great hope that uh, people are going to kick up enough of a fuss on the human rights and ethics front that we will come out of this okay. Yeah. The thing I don't quite get when they put coercive measures in place is it breaches the very definition of informed consent. And that's that's part of the, the Australian Immunisation Handbook itself. Um, it breaches their own definition of informed consent. So it's, I just find it quite astounding how they can do that. Still, you know, everybody should have the choice as to whether they take take any vaccine or not. It's an individual's choice for their own, their own reasons. Um, but to uh, go down the coercion path and even potential mandatory, that's um, quite, quite a staggering one. Well, don't forget, Dan Andrews said Victoria will not open. This is months ago. Victoria will not open until a vaccine is available and every single Victorian is vaccinated. He said that. That's an alarming comment. Yes. On so many different levels in so many ways. So um, another question from um, one of our viewers is, do you expect any immediate actions now that uh, the bill has passed? Actions from the government, I assume they're asking about. I would assume so. I assume many actions from the government, I guess, potentially in terms of using using the additional powers, um, I guess, could potentially be detainments or, or other investigations. Well, they can already detain. It's it's yep. now that it's being expanded. The main problem with the omnibus bills is being expanded to so many other designated authorised officers. So what do I predict? Well, I had... I had friends who were on that omnibus, that protest bus going around Melbourne with Sack Dan Andrews written on the side. <laughs> and so I have inside information. The police uh, actually questioned them and gave them a hard time. They told me that the PSOs, which are fairly normal people who've just had 12 weeks of training, yeah. uh, 
they you can you know because their their things are yellow and gold not white okay if you run into a piece so they're generally quite nice they were very jovial they're taking pictures of the bus saying oh that's cool they they're obviously you know open to the sack dan andrews idea (laughs) after about 20 minutes or so uh the police arrived with the white you know the white logos and and the police were Mm. really really rough really rude uh to the people on that bus uh and they they were um very very aggressive they didn't hit them but they would bump their shoulders really hard as they walk past intimidating and they would say yeah. things like are you wearing a mask so it's one of the person was not wearing a mask and the person said what do you mean look at me and the cop said are you or are you not wearing a mask so and then he said well obviously i'm not wearing a mask and the police said now that you've admitted you're not wearing a mask tell me why you're not wearing a mask this kind of approach this aggressive yeah. approach is what i fear i fear i fear that if you give them these powers you don't have a bunch of 55-year-old, you know, experienced coppers saying, hey, just let's tone down this situation. You get a bunch of young guns like the guy I just described, which happened yesterday, and and potentially they can push this, this stuff too far now because they have the powers to do it. That's what I'm worried yeah. about. Yeah. It's a difficult. The police one's an interesting one and certainly worth what we see happening in the US where, yes, look, granted there are some rogue um police PSOs, whatever form of um, policing that might be. Um, you know, we've all seen the videos of, you know, different things with the pregnant lady in Ballarat being arrested, the um, one in Epping so with the head stomp and yep. all of these different types of things. But I think as well, it's, it's hard to make sure, it's, we've got to make sure that we don't lump every single police officer or PSO into the same bracket as well. Um, like I've got, you know, there's a couple of people who I know who are police and there's, there's no way they'd be involved in that sort of stuff and they're absolutely disgusted by it. So, so are they serving members of VicPol that you're talking about? Uh, one is, and, and one's, I think, it's now prosecutor. I think it is something like that. Yeah, that's yeah, still that's currently in there. And they're disgusted by the behaviour of their fellow members? How, oh, in terms of those particular examples, how could you not yes. be? Okay, well, um, um, we, we're all hoping yeah. that they are, Andrew, so that's great yeah. to hear. Yeah, so I think it's, it's like any industry. There's always some bad eggs. So just means what? that, you know, one's in police, it's, it's a bit more prominent, has a bigger effect. Well, you should know this bus story I just told you, eventually the big boss came on the scene, you know, gray hair, big dude. He's obviously been in there for yonky doodles, so he's 60 or something. He comes down and suddenly everyone sort of, you know, bows to him because he's the boss. He was very, very nice and respectful. And he treated my crew on that bus with great respect. And at the end said, yeah. hey, guys, thanks for cooperating. Have a good day. Just normal yeah. human baby. So, the, yeah. you know. There are some really good police officers in there. And as I said, the PSO officers were great. So it's just those weird young guns that I'm worried about. Mm. Yeah. Um, Another question through from uh, one of you is um, on the protests and the arrests related to the protests. Um, Do you have any thoughts on on whether the, or whether, I guess, whether the protests, the protests themselves are are legal to have and whether the arrests are, are actually lawful? Yeah, great question, because there's a, initially we were all just following the government, but now you're seeing the legal fraternity start to say, hang on, like I said, the Dean of Law at, at uh, I can't remember if it's Swinburne or Deacon, but the Dean of Law saying that this is a political prisoner situation, it's illegal. Uh, and then you've got Michael Wiles, QC, people like that now saying, look, the curfew is rubbish, it's illegal. So yeah, there's a lot of legitimate talk in judicial circles that, judicial in legal circles, that um, these arrests, these uh the illegality of protests is is not correct because yeah. we're talking about peaceful protests and that right cannot be abridged even if it's for this super scary COVID's going to kill us all pandemic. Yeah. So, but we don't know. Look, reality on the ground is, are you willing to go, you know, 
get carted off to a police station for a day and go to court and it's a difficult isn't it? i guess it's it's yeah it's a potential intimidation to try and stop people from um, um protesting and, and objecting to what's been going on and talking up it's a it's a difficult one so um last viewer question um council elections are coming up and um any advice on how uh, how best to vote you should always you should, you should never trust me you should never trust the liberal party or the labor party you should trust yourself you know, I say this so many to the 8,000 roughly people who follow me, I always say, trust yourself. So you need to, you need to get out there and, and be careful of when people are trying to push you one way or the other and make a decision for yourself. And I suspect for a lot of people watching their decision will be, they, they want to do anything they can to send a message to the Labor government that this is not cool. And if that's you, this is how you do it, right? If that's not you, fine, vote for the Greens or the Labor, I don't care. But if, if you want to send a message, we need to put Labor last. And I'm someone who has voted for Labor in the past, okay, in state and federal elections. But in this scenario, even if you are used to voting for Labor, you really need to put them last because this is the first time we've had a democratic vote since these lockdowns have come in. Mm -hmm. And apparently, now I'm I don't know how true this is, but I'm told that Labor is is quite scared at the moment about the loss of public support, and to see them lose in the council elections will send a, a big message. How do you put Labor last? A lot of council uh, people actually take their marching orders from political parties, especially Labor, because Labor treat council as the stepping stone into bigger politics. It's like kindergarten, preschool. Yeah. So they hide their affiliations, especially now. Can you imagine running for council and saying that you're a Labor? Yeah. Right? Forget it. I, I, noticed, I noticed actually looking through my own council elections, I'm like, okay, so there's a Greens one who had their Greens email address and there's a few others yeah. around and I'm like, which ones are they? Well, there was one of which I knew who it was, but there was no connection in the material whatsoever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And sometimes they switch the colours, so they put a blue backdrop. Yeah. So you think they're liberal. The way you need to go to self-employed, what is it called? Selfemployedaustralia.com.au. That's Ken Phillips, the guy who's suing the government for manslaughter yeah. type stuff. He's created this massive. He's got a team. I think he's got eight full-time staff, and they've gone through the two thousand four hundred council. Uh, uh, people running for council and they've researched them called them try to figure out whether they're labor or not and he has this spreadsheet somewhere on that website uh saying that um probably labor definitely labor and so on that will help you yeah uh, reignite democracy australia is is a lobbying group uh, run by my friend monica she organized that whole bus thing she has a similar tool on her website uh reignite democracy australia but everyone is basically saying, whoever you vote in, number one and two and three, I don't care, as long as you put Labor in the Greens last. And that's that's all I can advise you to do. If you're in, I've interviewed one council member for uh, in Melbourne, whose name was Aaron Wood. I can tell you for sure he does. And he's a he's a he's a like a climate guy. He's like, I want solar panels and stuff. But he's very pro business and he, he never sacrifices humanity and business for climate. So uh, I would vote for Aaron Wood. He definitely does not take marching orders from um from Labor or the Greens. So that's the only yeah. one I can vouch for. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, one, one final thing on, uh, on, on the change, because I think having the, the, so many people contacting their parliamentarians with, uh, in regards to the omnibus bill seems to have certainly shaken the cages uh, from, well from a lot of politicians. So yep. from all different areas, uh, whoever was uh, contacted, which is great. Have you got any advice for um, Victorians on on how to continue to campaign for, for the change that we need to see. Okay. 
So there's a few ways to approach this. You can you can do lawfare, as in warfare, but with law. So that's taking people to court and so on. And that's being done primarily by Ken Phillips and QCs and, and Sanjeev Sublock and, and so on. Uh, the average citizen doesn't really do that. Or you can attack them from a, a uh, what you're saying, a political angle, and then you've got civil disobedience. So let's talk about political angle. Political angle, uh, you can email them and ring them and so on. What you should be telling them, and you should be calling your Labor members. So calling a Liberal member now is almost useless. They are so against the lockdowns, it's ridiculous. Don't bother. Calling the Libertarians like David Limbrick and Tim Quilty. Is Tim Quilty or Tim Smith? I can't remember. But calling Tim, them is Tim Quilty, yeah. Tim Quilty. Is, who's yeah. Tim Smith? Uh, Tim Smith. Oh, is it either a state or federal MP? Oh, sorry, Tim one. Smith. No, no. All right. Uh, calling them is useless. They can't do anything. We just saw their amendments fail in Parliament. The only one who can do anything realistically now politically is for the Labor Party to remove Dan Andrews. Now, everyone's going to complain. That's not going to solve the problem. Well, okay, but it will solve something. It will solve enough. Uh, and, and certainly if they, if they stab Andrews in the back, they will need an excuse to say why they stabbed him in the back. Uh, Tim Smith, LNP. Yeah, sorry, Tim Smith. They will need to actually take a change in policy to justify the change of leadership. So if you want Dan Andrews removed, uh, hit up your Labor MPs. What do you say to them? Ring them on the phone. You know, it was only two months ago, I was scared to call an MP. And now yeah. I'm talking to Craig Kelly and the shadow attorney general. And, and I've got MPs sitting in this chair next to me. I am just as scared as you guys. I'm no, I was nobody two months ago. So have grow some courage and just ring them and say, hi, be nice. Look, yeah. Mr. Labor MP, I'm in your, so call the ones in your electorate. That's key. I can't vote for you. I'm so sorry, because if you don't change Dan Andrews, you don't change this lockdown. You don't join the coup. You don't stab him in the back. You don't cross the floor. I, I'm not going to vote for you in 2022, and I'm probably not going to vote for your party ever again. That's the only thing that will hit them where it hurts. Now, I don't think that's the best way to go about it. Do that, but that's not even the most powerful way. The most powerful thing at the moment, which I do not recommend because it's illegal, and I don't want Vic Paul coming in here, <laughs> what is happening around Melbourne is civil disobedience. We are seeing mm. people going about their life. We know that Melburnians won't protest. We've seen it. That even on the big protest days, they just they won't come out in numbers. But what they will do is they'll go to the beach. What they will do is they'll go to the shops, three people instead of one. They will go to Harry's and buy clothes. They will stay out at to 9.20 p.m. instead of 9 p.m. when the curfew was on. Living our normal everyday lives is the one thing they cannot, cannot stop. How, do you, how the hell do you stop 5.8 million people in this state from living a normal life. Good luck. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, certainly would be a tough one for them. I guess it, that's one of the challenges that we have is, is um, I guess, civil obedience in one way. Um, there was someone in the US where they were talking about the problem was, uh, problem wasn't civil disobedience, the problem was civil obedience. Um, and just going what, with, what do you mean? Well, in terms of just going with whatever's been told. So if you end up being, um, I don't know, so there's some incredibly draconian law uh, that they decide to enforce. Um, the worst thing in that scenario is just everybody doing exactly what they've been told to do. So, look, by no means mine's endorsing people to go and break the rules or, or go and do unlawful things. But the interesting thing is basically, you know, I guess, standing up to tyranny is the ultimate core of, of, of that comment. Um, I, guess, I guess that was the whole um, American Civil War in some degree. I was probably more about the race side. But, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's what Civil War or can can be a part of um, not that I'm advocating civil war whatsoever. So, um, but uh, but Andrew, Andrew, we don't even need up. to add. 
we don't need to even tell people to stand up. All we need to do is tell people that people are standing up. Just by yeah. telling you and showing the video on my Facebook page today that that people are shopping, people are being normal, people are going to the beach, people, that's yeah. going to put courage back into our hearts. Whether or not you go and be civil, civilly disobedient afterwards is not really that relevant. The point is in your heart, we're starting to gain back our sense of agency. We're starting to become a person again, starting to take back yeah. our power to say that stupid phrase. Uh, and that is the key because then we start to make decisions not out of fear. We start to engage our prefrontal cortex again. Mm. We start to be more rational. And then Dan Andrews loses because at the moment he's ruling through fear, pushing everyone into the limbic part of their brain, flight, fight, flight, or freeze response. If we can bring reason to it, people start to wake up. He's going to find it more difficult to start the next lockdown, more difficult to bring in the next incursion, more difficult to extend the hairdressers being closed if we start yeah. to become a bit more courageous. Yeah. Oh, this is one of the critical things. There's so, many, so much of it is governed by fear. Mm. Um, and, I mean, it's been relentless from, from day one. Um, it doesn't seem to be easing up at all, so... It's a very different way of fun or trying to function, um, certainly with um, chronic fear over you know, prolonged periods of time. So that's uh, still a very challenging scenario, but hopefully there's, there's enough, um, enough light that we can see coming and there's enough things that are happening as well behind the scenes as well as what we've seen. Um, some cracks appearing and, and, and really get into, um, get into a state where we can actually you know, resume our lives again um, and, and hopefully end the lockdowns very, very soon, hopefully. So... Well, thank you very much, Matt, for taking the time to talk to us. Um, we certainly greatly appreciate it. Certainly um, cleared, a lot, cleared a few things up for me. Um, there's certainly a lot of information going around. It's good to, good to get to the actual core of the, the real story of what's actually in there and what's actually happening. Thank you, Andrew. And hey, I did my best. I, I don't know. I probably made some errors, but uh, overall, the, the big guns have not found me making any errors. So look, I hope that <laughs> clarifies a few things. Uh, but look, you can read these laws yourself, people. They're not that hard to read. No, it's all it's all publicly available. Everything's out of read. So, um, th granted, they are kind of long documents and uh, sometimes a bit of legalese in it, but uh, they are there and it, uh, it it is there for everyone to see. So, fantastic! Thank you very much again, Matt, and um, maybe we'll talk to you again soon. See ya. Thanks very much. Bye.